Well, good morning. Well, before I do the message this morning, I did want to fill you in a little bit. When I spoke at Mission Sunday in November, I was with an organization that Rick and I went to Taiwan with called One Mission Society. In January, I felt led to move. Uh, I'm now going to ser- am serving with Orphans Hope World Mission. There's several reasons for that. It came together pretty easily. Um, this is the mission that started funding Ja Un Home in Taiwan. They became an official shelter of uh, Orphans Hope World Mission. And, uh, and you may know about this mission organization. It's a local couple that started it back in 2012. This is the web page, and if you look up, um, I can't see it real well, but their shelters are in China, Myanmar, India, Nepal, and now Taiwan. It's an amazing organization, and I'm just really thrilled that now I am their missionary, and that just gives me freedom when I go back to Taiwan to spend all my time in the village, all my time at John Home. And so I'm really thrilled that God has worked this out for me. So I just want you to know about that. I've moved to Orphans Hope World Mission. And this last month in Taiwan has been their Chinese New Year's celebration. It's when the children get a month off of school. So if there's no school, then there's lots of kids at Ja'an Home. And I just wanted to show you a picture again of some of these kids that we're loving on. Um, This is their first time to see the ocean. These children live in a rural village um, and rarely ever, most of them never get a chance to leave the village. They took them to the city. They took them to Tainan where Rick and I lived. And and Susie said it was interesting because they kept holding their ears saying, oh, it's so loud here because Tainan really is a crowded, busy city. And then they see an elevator and an escalator and they're like, wow, that's so cool. They had to spend lots of time in the elevator (laughs) just trying to figure it out and then their first time to see the ocean. So uh, John Home is uh, doing a lot of great things for the children and now this month has been incredible. I could spend the whole hour talking about what just happened this month, but um, if you want to get my newsletter, let me know. Uh, just God is at work there, and it's just so fun to, for me to, I want to be there. I think maybe I told you in November I was going to go in March. Well, their borders are tighter now than they were then, so I'm here, and I'm happy to be here, actually, really happy to be here. So when I was asked to speak a couple weeks ago, uh, I right away thought I want to speak on prayer. That's what I've been focused on. That's what my heart has been hungering to know and understand more about prayer. And um, so I felt like God took me a little bit of a turn. I thought about teaching about prayer, you know, how God answers prayer and all these things I was learning. And I felt like we need to talk about unanswered prayer. And the reason I thought of that is because we just survived 2020, right? Um, Besides living in a worldwide pandemic, there have been a lot of things in our country, in um, all around us that make us confused, especially if we're really praying about something specific. And then it seems like 
the answer has been no. And even as a church, this is what I felt. We have been praying and seeking a pastor for how long? Maybe 18 months? I'm not sure. Uh, It seems like a long time. And we thought we had found the man, and then God closed that door. So I feel like it's really important that we learn how to deal with our doubts, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we start, let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you that you welcome us to your throne room of mercy and grace. To come to you, Jesus, who say that you sympathize with all our weaknesses, that you don't condemn us when our faith falters. And I thank you for that, God. Lord, we're here this morning because we want to hear a word from you. Lord, I pray especially that in our own unique struggles, our own unique questions and doubts, God, that your words will bring light and life to us. We ask that because we know that's what you want to do. Give us ears to hear and a heart that will absorb and receive the love and the grace you have for us today. I ask in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, before we talk about unanswered prayer, I don't want you to go away from here thinking God doesn't answer prayer. (laughs) So in 1998, I remember this, I thought, I want a life verse that when I'm gone, my children and my grandchildren will say, that was my mom. That's what I saw in her life. And this is my life verse. Now, I memorized it from the New Living Translation back in the 90s, which is a little different from the newest new living, but this is how it said it. It says, I love the Lord because he hears and answers my prayers. Because he bends down and listens, I will pray as long as I have breath. Now, I chose that verse at a time when my first husband, Bill, had been diagnosed with stage four malignant melanoma. We had found out that he had maybe six months to live, though we didn't tell anybody that part. And it was, a, it was the worst time I could imagine in my life. I had never pictured this in my life. But it was also the most incredible time. Like, we, it's a long story. And many of you already know this story. But Bill had changed jobs, so he was without health insurance when we found out that he had stage 4 malignant melanoma. He had started a new business. It wasn't making money to pay the bills. We're draining our savings. And I'm thinking, we're going to lose everything just getting through this. He went through 18 months of treatments, hospitalizations. God did so amazing things in him. He, people hardly knew he was sick sometimes. He was just, God gave him so much grace. But when he died, I didn't owe a dime It was miraculous. Things happened that could only be explained by God. And so that's why I chose this life first. I love you, Lord. Look at how you're hearing me. Look at how you're answering me. That was in 98. (laughs) Then in 99, 
God took him home. And then I look at this verse and said, well, I must have chose the wrong verse for my life. <laughs> because I really believed God. Without a doubt, I believed you were going to heal him. I know you could heal him. It would have brought you so much glory if you would have healed him. And I went through uh, a dark 18 months thinking, do I really know God? Now, I just say all that to give a little bit of background um, unanswered prayer is in all of our lives. Sometimes they're little things. That, oh, I, oh, I prayed about that. Oh, it didn't happen. Oh, well, not a big deal. Sometimes they're big things. Uh, last night I was just pondering, how many things do I think that big things that God hasn't answered in my life? And I could think right away of six. Six huge disappointments. Things I specifically prayed about. And God said, No. Does God answer prayer? Absolutely. And some people say it like this. Sometimes God answers. Isn't it incredible when you know you've prayed for something specific and then it happens? It's like, is this amazing? The God who rules the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he hears me. He answers my prayers. It's so incredible when we get those answers to prayer. Boosts our faith, doesn't it? Fills our mouth with thanksgiving. Sometimes God says, wait. Sometimes we're just in this holding pattern, which is, I think, where we are at HCC. As we wait for a pastor, we're in a holding pattern, aren't we? But sometimes God does say no. And the reason is, as a loving and good father, I guess I need to change it. Uh-oh. Which one is up there? Okay. As a loving and good father... God gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knew. Now, I know that's a statement I read in a missionary biography. <laughs> Too bad it's so long ago I read it that I can't remember it where it was. But God gives us what we need, and it's what we would have asked for if we knew what he knows. I was thinking as a parent... If you're a parent and your child comes home from school with a huge sack full of Valentine candy and says, hey, mom, guess what? You don't need to cook for me for a week because look at this all I, look at what all I have. I have food morning, noon, and night. I mean, candy, what could be better than that? You don't even have to cook for a week. As a parent, we would say, mm, no, listen, we can't do that, Right? It's the same way with God as our Father. Some way we, sometimes we come to him and say, God, see this problem in my life? Well, if you do, I would like to ask you to do this and this and this. And usually it's like, whatever makes me most comfortable, whatever gets me out of this situation the fastest, and whatever will just send me on my way in joy, proclaiming your goodness and praising you. All we want to see God do, isn't it, is good things. And sometimes we need to consider that the bad things are his good things as well. That's why I titled this message, The Gift of Unanswered Prayer. So talking about doubt, I wanted to give you a, a, a definition. And I just typed doubt into the internet, and I liked this one. I liked the word picture. Doubt is a mental state in which the mind remains suspended between two or more contradictory propositions. 
Is your mind suspended at this point? Like, is it this way? Is it this way? Okay. And it's un- we're unable to be certain of any of them. Doubt on an emotional level is an indecision between belief and disbelief. That's what got my attention. Doubt is this balance we're trying to figure out between faith and unfaith and no faith. And like the father who brought his son to Jesus and his son was mute. And he says, I believe Jesus, but help my unbelief. Ever been there? I believe. I believe, but help my unbelief. I think it's really important that you don't just ignore your doubts. And that's one thing I really want you to hear. I believe that when we doubt, it's like it makes a little wound in our heart. And if we don't deal with it, it can start to scab over. And sometimes we pray and, oh, we didn't do that. So there's this little scab on our heart. And then there can become layer after layer of doubt. If we don't think it through, if we don't take it to God, if we don't seek him and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? I believe that our layer upon layers of doubt will kill our faith. It'll squelch the life out of our heart. So if you're doubting about anything, you need to talk about it. Talk about it to somebody. Talk about it to God. Don't just let it remain in your heart and fester. So today we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 12, if you have your Bibles. I would invite you to turn there with me. 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to start at verse 2 and go through verse 10. This is the Apostle Paul talking. We all know the Apostle Paul, this mighty man of God, who God used in miraculous ways. This is the man that we're going to learn from this morning. And I'm going to just read a few verses at a time, and then we're going to talk about what we read. So starting 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. Paul, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. He says it twice. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise. And I heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. And I want to stop right there. This is the background. This is the context of our main scripture that we're going to get to. But I think it's important we understand this. Paul had an experience with God. And twice he said, well, his experience is incredible. First of all, he went to heaven. But he said, I don't know if I was in my body or out of my body. <laughs> and, he, and he repeats that like, Only God knows. Like, was this a dream or did I actually go? Did God actually take me to heaven? He doesn't know. Okay. But he said what he saw there, there were no earthly words to describe. Can you believe that? 
Makes me think of another verse where he says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard and uh, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So Paul said, I saw things and there's just no way to describe it. And then he said, and these are things which no human is allowed or permitted to tell. You know, God has mysteries. He always has. He always will. He's God. And that's one mystery. We don't really know everything we want to know sometimes about heaven. So then Paul goes on in verse 6. He said, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I'd be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they see in my life or hear in my message. So Paul's saying, you know, that was quite an experience to go to heaven. But I'm not going to boast about that. I'm not going to talk about that. Because I don't want anybody to think more of me than what they actually see me live out, what they see in my life. Paul had no desire to be superhero apostle that everybody thinks everybody, he comes in the room and everybody goes, oh, wow, it's Apostle Paul. He didn't want that at all. So we can see how humble Paul is. But that's the background, and here's a key verse. Verse 7. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. In the NIV, it says, because of these surpassing great revelations, because God gave me this incredible experience that he doesn't give to very many people, if there's a handful of people, who knows? Not very many, and Paul realized that. He said, because he gave me that, then he gave me this thorn in the flesh. And the word for thorn in the Greek isn't like a little thorn you see on a rosebush. It actually pictures more like a stake, a big metal stake. Like this is something that is extremely painful to Paul. And commentators all say, nobody knows, what was this thorn? Some, some guess, maybe it was a physical ailment. Maybe it was the fact that he was constantly being hunted down for his life. He lived under tremendous persecution, in jail, out of jail, shipwrecked, stoned, beaten. He had lots of thorns, I would say, in his life. I think the, the cool thing about God, there's so many cool things, aren't there? But one thing is, in the Psalms or in places like this, God doesn't always just specifically say what the problem was. And I like that because if it would have said, if Paul would have said, God gave me this thorn in the flesh and it was the fact that I couldn't walk without a limp. Well, then I might read this and think, oh, I can walk without a limp, so this doesn't apply to me. But God, in his genius ways, leaves it broad enough that we can see whatever my thorn is, it's going to apply. What God has to say applies to my thorn. So I want to ask you, do you have a thorn? Is there something in your life for which you keep praying and saying, God, please take this away from me? Is there something in your life that you think, this is too heavy, God, I can't do this? 
That's your thorn. And God wants to speak to you today the way he spoke to the Apostle Paul. See, I believe that God balances our blessings with burdens. And isn't that a great thing? If all he did was bless us, if, if life was a matter of simply going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, do this, and he went, oh, sure. Every time we went to him, you know what we'd be like? A spoiled child. We all know that God doesn't give us everything we want, and that only makes sense if you're a parent. You don't give your child everything they want because you know better. And God knows better. He has specific purposes in our life that he's got us on this path to fulfill his purposes in, his, in our life. And if he gives us some things that we ask for, it would take us off of that path he has for us. So he balances our blessings with burden. But notice how Paul says this. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me. I like this. He says, this I know is from the enemy. The enemy is trying to stop me in my tracks. But you know what? God is greater. He prays to God. Notice he does not talk to the devil. A few years ago when Rick and I wrote a study together on the prayers of Paul, it changed my prayer life a lot. Do you know that the prayers Paul is using to instruct the new church how to pray? He never rebukes the devil. He admits the devil's there. He admits the enemies at work. He doesn't rebuke the devil. He doesn't talk to the devil. He doesn't pray against the devil. That's not how he prays. And I find that fascinating because he knows Satan's power is limited. God is the one in control, not Satan. So he says... Three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take this from me. He pleaded. He begged. He said, God, I can't do this. This is too much for me. God, take it away from me. And so you see, that's not a wrong prayer. It's okay to pray that way. And when he says three times in the Jewish language, in their, their train of thought, three times meant morning, noon, and night. It's not just that he prayed three times and gave up. He prayed morning, noon, and night. This is too heavy for me, God. This hurts. I can't handle this. Take it away from me. Have you ever been there? It's not a fun place to be. What do we experience in times like that? Think about it. When you face a situation that is like way beyond you and you know there's nothing you can do to change the outlook, what do you do? You know, when God didn't answer my prayers, sometimes I thought, okay, I must have prayed for the wrong thing, but maybe I used the wrong words. 
I mean, maybe I didn't use the right words. Maybe I didn't have enough faith. Maybe if only I'd said the right words and had enough faith that God would have done what I wanted. That's a lie. That's condemnation. There have been times when God didn't answer my prayers and I thought, God, do I really know you? That's a good thing for you to question yourself. That's something God is using doubt to drive you deeper into the, into the truth of, do I really know this God? He wants us to know him not just with a head knowledge, although it's got to start with head knowledge. If you're not reading his words, you're not getting to know him the way that he wants you to. I'm just going to say that. He gave us his word to show us who he is. And without a good understanding of who he is, you're going you're gonna to stumble through life confused. And maybe your doubt is just to drive you deeper into the, a knowledge that results in an experience of the amazing, incredible, powerful, all-wise, kind, merciful, loving God that we have. So what did God say? Paul said, I'm begging you, God, take this away from me. And God said, well, Paul, I want you to know that my grace is sufficient for you. Essentially, God said, well, Paul, I know that's what you think you want. But this time I'm going to say no. Because I want you to discover how deep and rich my grace is. You know, if we're strong, if we can handle it ourselves, we don't need him, do we? I mean, if you can make it through life on your own strength, your own wisdom, your own ability, what do you need God for? So we need to look at our weaknesses. We need to look at our difficulties, our struggles as, hey, I'm not God. I need God. Grace is defined as unmerited divine assistance, a generous benefit given to one who is undeserving. Don't you love that? Don't you love the fact that God says, hey, I want to help you and I can help you. I have everything I need to help you and you don't even have to earn it. Isn't that grace? Unmerited, undeserving. That's his grace. I've been reading through Luke and it just jumps out at me all over. When Jesus stops to heal people or to talk to people, to help people, he doesn't say, well, let's see, I see this sin in your life and you know he did. He never goes to them and says, as soon as you deal with that sin, then I can help you. That's not our God. That's not grace. His kindness to us is unmerited. He doesn't base what he does for us on how good we are. Isn't that a relief? If you think that God won't hear your prayers or that God is not answering your prayers because you've messed up royally and you don't know how to fix it and you know he sees your sin, you need the God of grace. We don't have to earn it. Isn't that incredible? If nothing else charges you up, receive that grace and that love. 
He loves us like we are. He won't let us stay like we are. He won't let us wallow in our sin. He knows that sin is destroying us. So yeah, he's going to ask us and help us to change if there's some sin that's, that we're treasuring in our life. But don't believe that he doesn't hear you just because of sin. If that were true, he wouldn't hear anybody's prayers because none of us are sinless. None of us. So, you need some divine assistance? It's there. That's God's grace. We won't experience that God's grace is sufficient until we know that we are insufficient. Got it? That's the starting point. Who in here is weak? <laughs> I am. Wow. And in the weakest times of my life, the times when I thought, I don't even want to get out of bed and face this day. God's grace was sufficient. It is enough, always enough, to get me through one more day, one more step. what it means to be sufficient, always enough. Now let's read how Paul reacts to that statement. Here Paul has essentially been told, well Paul, I'm not going to do it your way this time. And this is from the Phillips translation. It says, therefore, I've cheerfully made up my mind to be proud of my weaknesses because they mean a deeper experience of the power of Christ. Do you see that? Now, I'm certainly not like the Apostle Paul. <laughs> it's been 18 months since Rick got to go to heaven, and I can't say I'm cheerful about that yet. <laughs> That's okay. But I know that because of my weakness, I can experience a Deeper, richer fellowship with God. I know God is my comforter. I know God is my strength. I know God is my provider. And if I didn't have any needs, I wouldn't get to see him do that for me or experience that. Paul says, he goes on to say, I can even enjoy weaknesses, suffering, persecution, and difficulties for Christ's sake. For my very weakness makes me strong in him. Is that good news or what? <laughs> so, let's think about this. When God answers your prayer, what does that do for you? This is where I wish we were sitting in a circle. We could talk. We could share answers prayer. I heard some answers to prayer this morning from, from Judy. It's great. God answers prayer. Isn't that incredible? Gives us, puts a, a little bit of, helps us walk along with our head held high and a joyful countenance and just say, wow, God, what are you going to do next? So then how, does, how is your faith affected by unanswered prayer? Think that through. 
Maybe you've prayed for something for years and years. How does that affect your faith when you don't see God doing anything? Hard place to be, isn't it? So, um, for me, my quiet time consists of listening to the Lord in His Word, and then I journal my prayers. That I write them out so that keeps my mind focused, and I can stay less distracted that way. I'm really glad God taught me that discipline early in my Christian life. I have my journals from 30 years. And I kept them. And I pulled out some old ones recently. After that deep, dark valley of grief, when I lost my first husband, I wrote this statement. The depth of my faith is not seen as much when God answers my prayers as when God doesn't answer my prayers and my trust in him never wavers. Will you think that through? We think the evidence of somebody's faith is that God is always answering their prayers. Wow, that's a person of faith. But I felt like God revealed to me a deeper faith comes when he doesn't answer our prayers and my faith in him never wavers. I still trust him. I still love him. I still know he has good purposes and is still working in my life whether I can see it or not. Do you believe that? Will you read that statement with me together? Ask God to get this into your heart and boost your faith. Just read it together. The depth of my faith is not seen as much when God answers my prayers as when God doesn't answer my prayers and my trust in him never wavers. You know what God wants from us is a faithful heart. He's given us this relationship and he says, just be faithful to me. I know, I know there's going to be ups and downs. I know you're not going to understand who can understand the mind of God. Just hold on to me. Just cling to me. Just trust me. That's real faith. All right, let's pray. Father God, Almighty God, the God whose power is unlimited, the all-wise God who does everything right, we come to you. And we say, oh, Lord, we believe in you, but help our unbelief. Wow, we're so grateful that your grace is not something we have to earn. Thank you, God. Your grace is to be had if we only ask Just ask you and you hear and answer our prayers. Father God, I know you're looking down on us right now. You see into every heart. 
You see the thoughts that are going through every mind. And God, I pray that if there's somebody here who feels like their faith is faltering, oh God, speak to their heart. Pour out your grace. Show them that you are enough. You are sufficient. Your grace is the assistance, the help they need. Father, I also pray that if there's anybody here who this morning might have realized, do I really know you, God? I know we can sit in church every Sunday and yet not feel like we have this vital connection with you. And God, for those people, if there's someone here like that, oh my, Father, have mercy. Thank you that you're a God who forgives sin. That if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Thank you that you took our sin upon you, Jesus, so that we might receive your righteousness. Thank you that because of Jesus, we are welcome to the throne room of God, not based on our merit and not based on our goodness, but only because Jesus, Jesus has made us righteous in your sight, and we're so grateful, God. So thank you. Thank you for Paul's example. Thank you that Paul shows us how to walk with you, how to trust you in the hard times. So, Lord, we just lift up to you whatever thorns we have right now. We just look to you and say, God, we can't deal with it. Teach us. Teach us what you're wanting us to learn from this thorn. Let us experience your grace in greater measure than we ever have before. And we will give you all the glory for that. You alone deserve our praise. And it's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.